Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene in Cape Elizabeth, Maine. Download more sermons or learn about the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene at our website, capenazarene.org. Here's this week's message. Good morning. So I wanted to um, introduce myself um, officially. My name is Amanda. I am um, one of the pastors from the South Portland Church of the Nazarene. I also am the director of the Lighthouse School there with the preschool. Um, We do some aftercare. And I have served at that church as in several roles um, as youth pastor and children's pastor, and now in this kind of dual role over preschool ministry and the, um, the daycare, ministering to the families and staff there. I also have a family. They're not able to be here with me today. My husband um, plays bass on the worship team at in South Portland, and so he's there playing right now. And my daughter, who's now 13, she rides horses And today she has a horse show. And so she was sad that I was missing her horse show. And I was sad that she was missing coming to church with me here to see me preach. And so we both are thinking of one another as we're doing our, um, the things, some of the things that we um, enjoy most. Well, when my daughter was just a small child, so she's 13 now, so years and years ago, maybe 10 years ago, she really enjoyed the movie Finding Nemo. Has anybody ever seen the movie Finding Nemo? Yes? So in this movie, there's a lot of like quotable lines that are kind of silly, um, that the fish, they misunderstand what some things are, and so they dare one another to go out and touch the boat, but they don't say boat. Um, and so it's just, it's a funny movie. There's lines from the movie that um, Alethea, my daughter, and I will still say back and forth to one another just to be silly and fun. Well, in this movie, it starts out, it's a story of two clownfish who, they're, they're not very funny. Um, Marlon tries to be funny, but he's not funny. And the two clownfish, Marlon, the, the, the father fish, and Coral, the mother fish, they have, I don't know that they actually tell you how many, how many babies they have, but there's this little cave underneath of, um, they live in a sea anemone, and then underneath of it, there's this little, little cave, and it is just chock full of fish eggs. And so the movie starts where they're talking about what they're going to name all of their, their little babies once they're born. And Coral, she really wants to name one of them Nemo. And then Marlon, he wants to name all of the rest of them Marlon Jr. And so they're, they're, they're sitting there, it's nighttime, and they're, they're talking about what they're going to name their little fish babies once they're born. Well, all of a sudden, a shark comes by and attacks and Coral tries to save the babies, and the shark gets Coral and gets all the babies, except for one little egg is left. And Marlon goes down, and he kind of scoops it up with his little fins, and he, he covers it, and he's like, I'm going to keep you safe. And he names that one fish that's left Nemo. And so the story, the movie, is about this little fish, Nemo, and his father, Marlon. So the next scene in the movie cuts to where Nemo is like 
getting ready to go to kindergarten, getting ready to go to school kind of situation. And so his father has been training him and preparing him for all of the dangers that the big open sea can can bring along to Nemo. And so Marlin is so consumed by fear and anxiety from this shark attack that happened that he has prepared Nemo for any possible situation. And so there's this one scene where he tells him to go out of the sea anemone, and then you go back in. Then you go out and check if it's safe, and you go back in and go out and check if it's safe. And by the third time, Nemo just stays outside of the sea anemone, and he's like, come on, Dad. And then they go off to school, and... Marlin is still so consumed by the fear and anxiety that he he follows Nemo to school, and then he actually, once Nemo goes off with his class on this field trip, he follows them, which I can relate to as a parent, right? The first time my daughter rode her bike to school by herself, I definitely followed her in my car and watched to make sure that she got there, right? So sometimes we can just be so consumed with fear and so consumed with anxiety about something that even though we send our children off and we, we want to do the hard thing or the, the thing that um, makes us nervous, we still want to check up on it. We still want to follow it. Well, the past few years here in America, here in the world, we have had some circumstances that have brought a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety to not only Americans, but also people across the world. In my life, even before the pandemic, there were, I have had some intense experiences with anxiety and with stress and with fear. When we're suffering in those moments and when we're by ourselves suffering, those situations can feel overwhelming can feel like we're just being crushed by them. But when we come together and we suffer inside of a support system, like our community or like our church and this, this body of faith, it, when we bring that pain and that sorry and that stress into the light of the context of redemptive community, the chances of coping well become even greater than if we were to try to deal with it um, in isolation and on our own. There's a couple ways of describing anxiety and stress because they're kind of two different things. Anxiety is kind of like a wildfire that is just raging, going in all kinds of different directions. It can cause all different emotions. It can be debilitating. It can feel difficult, and it can make tasks feel impossible to, to overcome. Stress is more like a controlled fire where we're aware of its presence. We might know its origin. We might know why we're experiencing the stress. Maybe it's because our car broke down or maybe we lost our job or the price of gas went up and so now you know we can't do the vacation we wanted to do because it's going to cost too much. Stress can be tamed given time and changing circumstances. Anxiety can manifest and show itself in our lives in a lot of different ways. Uh, personally, I'll get a headache or I'll get really teary when I'm anxious. 
It can also cause people to feel nauseous or have a loss of appetite or a lack of motivation. We might just completely disengage from the activities in our lives. Anxiety can come in many forms and many shapes and colors. It can be big. It could be little. It can come along at completely random times when we least expect it, when we feel like we're on top of the world. Anxiety can just cripple us. So it's hard to figure out exactly what and why the anxiety is happening because there's not always a clear pattern to it. So how do we deal with this? How do we tame that wildfire that just feels like it's raging all inside of us? Well, to my frustration, I've never been able to tame that wildfire on my own. I've never been able to just talk myself out of feeling anxious. My attempts at self-sufficiency always lead to spirals of doubt and insecurity and fear. We're going to look at a passage today in Luke Chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. And I think we have it on the screen. But it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has 100 sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 to go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his neighbors and friends together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Looking back at the storyline of the movie Finding Nemo, we can find that um, in this moment where Nemo is with his class on this field trip, he and a couple of the kids, the other kids, the other fish, they wander off from the group and they're on kind of this ledge and they're looking out into like the, the open sea. And they're daring each other to go a little bit farther out and a little bit farther out. And then there's, they see a boat in the distance. And they kind of dare one another, like, can you go touch the boat? Can you go, can you do it? And so they are thinking about it, and they dare Nemo, and they say, go touch the boat. Well, in that moment, Nemo was about to say, well, he says he was about to say no, but, I mean, me, me, me. So, He's about to say no, when all of a sudden, Marlon shows up. His dad shows up when he's about to maybe go touch the boat. And Marlon says, Nemo, don't do that. You, it's so dangerous. And Nemo's like, I wasn't going to do it. I promise I wasn't going to do it. And he's like, I think you were going to do it. So then they're kind of arguing. The other kids, they're arguing with Marlon. And then Nemo gets a little bit embarrassed, and he gets a little mad. And he's like, I'm going to go touch the boat. So he swims all the way out to the boat, and he looks back at his dad. And I don't if any of you have children or if you are a child. And they're looking back at their parents, and they're like, I'm about to touch the boat. And he's like, don't touch the boat. 
And he just keeps looking at him, and he puts his fin up, and he's like, don't you dare. And you can't really do anything to stop him. It's just, don't touch it. And he, he touches it. And Marlon was like, that's it. You're in trouble. When I get my hands on you, you're, you're going to get it, right? So he's yelling at him. And then all of a sudden, a scuba diver with a, a plastic bag scoops up Nemo in the bag and has found his his treasure for that that day of scuba diving and he brings Nemo back on the boat and takes him back to a dentist's office where he is added to the fish tank and that he's going to end up being a gift for the the dentist's niece Darla and nobody wants to be Darla's fish so this is happening and Whenever Nemo gets abducted by this scuba diver, Marlin is no longer mad at Nemo. He goes into full, like, I got to save my kid. And so he takes off into the open sea, even though he's afraid. He just takes off, and he is going to search and search and search until he finds Nemo. Well, along the way, he meets Dory, who's an absent-minded um, tang, blue tang fish, and he meets some sharks and he has to dodge jellyfish and he has to do all of these things that are so scary and that he has such great bravery as he goes after his son, as he goes and he's trying to find his son. So Nemo, meanwhile, is trying to figure out how to escape the fish tank because he doesn't want to go home with Darla, and he really wants to go back and find his father. So he and the other fish in the fish tank, they're trying to figure out how to get out of the tank, and they're doing all of these different things to get out. And Marlon, like the shepherd in our passage of Scripture today, he is searching and searching, and he's not going to give up until he finds Nemo. He goes all the way across the ocean to find his lost son, this lost sheep. He just goes and goes and goes, and he's trying to find him. Well, when he finally finds him, he doesn't yell at him. He doesn't give him such a hard time, like, right? He's, he's not mad at him anymore. He's not going to take away his switch, and he's not going to do all of these things, right? He is so overjoyed to have found his son. And he celebrates, and they go back home, and he's so excited, and he's so happy that he found him. So you might be thinking, that's great, that's a kid's movie. Like, what does that have to do with me? How can I learn more of God, about God through this? Well, have you ever lost something? Have you ever lost your keys? Have you ever lost your cell phone? Oh, have you ever lost your child when you're shopping, or you're at an amusement park, or you're, you know, just in the house and your child? My niece recently, she, my, my sister and her husband were um, in a Zoom meeting, and they came out, and they couldn't find her, and she's nine. She had gone outside to join her friends who were having a lemonade stand, and so she had gone off to sell lemonade, but she didn't tell them where she was going. And so they were frantically searching and searching for her. Um, have you ever lost anything? Yeah. When Alethea, when my daughter was little, she was younger than three. Uh, I was getting ready to go to work, and I couldn't find my car keys. My car keys had our house key and the 
car key on it. And um, the we lived in an apartment building, and it had like a weird um, fob key that was like a computer chip. So it was like very specific and expensive to replace, right? So I, I, we lost these keys, and so I'm frantically looking for these keys because I didn't want to be late to work. I didn't want to have to pay to replace the keys. So I'm searching around my house. Can't find the keys. She's so little that I did not think to ask her where the keys were. And my husband was getting ready for work, and I was like, help me find the keys. we got to go. So I'm, like, panicking, and I'm getting stressed out because we're looking and looking. We can't find them. And he's like, you always lose your keys. I was like, I know, but I just had them. I, I don't know where they went. And then he starts picking up stuff in the kitchen and, like, shaking it to hear if the keys were inside of something. And so he went over to this paper bag that we had that had recycling in it, and he picked it up and he shook it, and he could hear the keys rattling in the, in the bag. And so our daughter had put the keys, the bag was on the floor, and she had just dropped the keys into the bag. But you know how recycling is, and it kind of falls to the bottom, and you can't see it. Um, so the keys were found. I was overjoyed that the keys were found. But... In that, in the process of finding them, I mean, we tore our apartment apart looking for them. When we lose something, especially something important, sometimes panic does set in. The frustration of not being able to find it. We start thinking things like, we'll never find it. We'll never find the keys. We'll never find this. Then sometimes we start getting angry that we lost it. Like, did I again misplace my keys once again? How we search and search up and down. And it looks like a tornado went through our house after trying to find something. We're tearing things apart. We would overturn or move almost anything to find the missing item. It is that single-minded devotion and motivation that Marlon was searching for his son Nemo. It's that single-minded devotion that the shepherd goes and hunts and looks for the lost sheep, leaving behind the 99 sheep. Like the 99 sheep could have gotten attacked by a wolf or bear. But he left all of those sheep to find that one that was lost. Nemo was lost. Marlon felt fear and frustration and panic. Then there was the moment when Nemo wasn't lost anymore. There was joy and celebration. Now think about what happens when you find the lost item. When you finally find the thing that you're looking for. The joy, the celebration, the like... I got the keys. We can go. Let's go. We can do it. You found it. What the relief. I found my child. <laughs> you were only just around the corner. Don't ever do that again. But I found you. Just like Marlon searches the whole ocean. He goes across. And then in Finding Nemo too, he like does it again. They lose Dory and he has to go and search and find. Just like he just, he searched and crossed the whole ocean. Jesus is searching for us. He is coming after us. Just like Nemo not listening to his dad. Being there next to the boat and his dad says, don't touch the boat. And he's like, I'm going to touch it. He goes, don't touch it. And he just touches it. We're like that sometimes, right? We know what God doesn't want us to do. 
we know what the right thing to do is. But we go down a road that we shouldn't. We touch the boat. We become anxious and fearful. But anxiety is something to be fought. It's something um, that we don't have to submit to. Sometimes we sin and we run away from God. But God always comes looking for us. Marlon searched that whole ocean, and Jesus searches the whole world for us. We sometimes feel like we're lost, but God is searching for us. And spoiler, spoiler alert, God always finds us. God knows where we are. He sees us. He will always find us, and we can never hide from God. It amazes me that someone could love me enough to come running after me and to rescue me, just as the shepherd goes running after that sheep and rescues that sheep. It just amazes me that God loves me that much, that God loves you that much, that he sends the shepherd to run after you and search and search until he finds you. There is joy to be found. There's light to be seen. There's life to be lived. And we're able to fully enjoy that life because of the good work that Christ has done by renewing us, by forgiving us, by bringing us back into relationship with him. In Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39, the Bible says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This verse makes me think of that, how good of a father Marlon is to Nemo, that he just keeps hunting for him. He keeps searching for him. It didn't matter how far he had to go, how deep down into the ocean he had to go. He just kept searching for him. And our good father, our father God, he loves us and will come searching for us no matter where we are in the whole world. There's nowhere we can go to hide from God. There's nowhere we can go within our own mind and heart and anxiety where God can't reach in and find us and pull us out. So my question for you today is, are you feeling lost? Are you feeling like you have no direction? Maybe you don't know what the future looks like without panic or frustration or anxiety or anger, or confusion. But you are not lost. We are claimed by God. If you feel lost, or you have ever felt lost, or you tomorrow feel lost, maybe today you don't, but this week you will, keep looking towards being found. It is provenient grace that tells us that God is here all along. God is always here, and he is always has that single-minded devotion of the father to the child, searching and searching and loving us. 
He searches for us when we are lost, and he rejoices when we are found. He sent his son, he sent Jesus to save us, to remind us of his faithfulness. May we know, too, that faithfulness of God, which does not let us remain lost, which searches for us even now, even today, no matter how lost we feel, no matter how scared we feel. We do not have to remain lost. God is searching for you. And it's in our faith that we can let ourselves be found by God. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would speak to each heart today. God, that we would find ourselves in you. God, that we would know that you love us so much. You send your son to die for us. You are sending your son to search for us. No matter how far away we are, no matter how dark things seem, God, you are there. You are always there. I pray, God, that we would open our hearts and our fear and our anxiety. God, we would open ourselves fully to being found by you. Amen. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. We hope this sermon has encouraged you with the gospel of Jesus. More sermons are available online at our website, capenazarene.org. May God richly bless you as you serve him today.